Hello, I'm Emily Grace, and welcome to the Stages podcast of Bernstein Private Wealth Management. Life throws lots of challenges at us. We're here to analyze them. Having helped dynamic families prioritize what makes money meaningful for them and then invest for that purpose for close to 20 years now, I've seen people through countless markets and life events. And while every market is different, as we are witnessing with the current pandemic, what remains constant is the need for guidance and advice through the uncertainty. Helping people navigate the markets and introducing them to some of the smartest investment minds and experts in other fields, whatever the stage in their life, is a real honor. If you or someone you know would like advice or an introduction to my guest, you can reach me at emily.grace at bernstein.com. Okay, so as we prepare for children to return to school in a whole new way this year, I've invited back Taru Clavel, education author, speaker, and consultant, to provide some practical tips for remote learning. Taru, thanks for joining me today. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me, Emily. Oh, of course. So I guess as we're looking for children to get back to remote education and they're getting ready, what are some of the things that we as parents can, can help them do to succeed? Well, the first thing I'd like to say is that I think parents have been really overwhelmed with all the news, and rightly so, because it's changing every single moment, it feels like. But parents are the greatest influence on their kids. All the research has shown this, and I think all parents know this, and we have so much knowledge that we just haven't really paid attention to. So I guess I'm saying everybody should take a deep breath because we should look at this as an opportunity. So... While we do have to remain very flexible and adaptable and continually have these conversations with our children about their, you know, their mental health and make sure that they are happy or learning in their remote environments, we can figure out what it is that we can do from home that maybe we couldn't have done before. So I'd like to just talk about the opportunities. That's great. That would be really helpful and some sort of action items. Yeah. So, you know, we, we basically as a society, I think, criticize our schools and say, you know, and our, and our kids too, like this has nothing to do with what I'm dealing with in the real world, or what about 21st century skills? Or if you're more of a classicist, those skills of teaching kids to memorize their multiplication tables or anything that's considered rote, um, grammar or learning script, um, kind of getting back to those basics. These are opportunities where we can do that. So what I just mentioned about 21st century skills, we are at a time in our history where we can talk about everything going on in the world that unfortunately really in our school classrooms because the teachers aren't prepared or nor have, do they have time to talk about what's going on in the news and frankly they're kind of contentious subjects i think it's incumbent upon parents to have those conversations with our kids because like it or not they are going to be remote they are on technology and they will be exposed to this news so whether it be social justice issues or you know on, on the easier side, how to be um, digitally responsible, right? What's going on with climate change? There's so many issues, of course, science literacy with what's going on with the pandemic. It's, it's more important than ever. These are areas that we really can be talking to our kids about. Um, and there are other areas that are just fantastic that we can, we can teach our kids. I mean, oftentimes a lot of outsiders will criticize the U.S. system for not giving our kids kind of the basic home economics knowledge, everything from, and you know, being you being with Bernstein, it's like basic, you know, we don't necessarily balance our checkbook the way we used to by hand, but understanding the fundamentals of 
accounting and finance and spending and saving. Um, we are doing that as adults all the time. And we just have to let our kids sit next to us and, and kind of back, take your kid back to work day every day. Uh, there are chores that our kids don't really know that much about. Everything from, I mean, big, the big joke in the, in the spring was my dishwasher has never seen so much business, you know? And so your kids should be a part of that. Cooking, cleaning, learning how to become independent adults so that they do launch. I mean, another criticism that we often hear is that we overparent, right? That we helicopter parent and that our 18 year olds aren't able to launch when they, when they hopefully, you know, leave our homes as, as adults and possibly continue a, a college path. And this is our opportunity to, to give them those skills to be able to become independent. So really to use the time that they're sort of around more to not, you know, it's interesting. So often it is I'm paying the bills while the kids are sleeping, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, doing the paperwork while the kids are asleep. But if they're going to be around more, let them see us doing that th those things, you know, help have them help us fold the laundry or do the laundry or do the dishes to help them learn life skills to complement what they're learning remotely in school. For sure. And I think that's, you know, I think it's if you think of your family as an ecosystem, you're doing yourself a favor, right? Because we, especially as moms, studies have shown, um, right, the moms are bearing the brunt of all the work, working from home, they're taking care of the kids, and they're taking care of the household responsibilities. So if you get your kids involved, right, not only are you empowering them, you're freeing yourself up, right? And for the or long I term- should back and read a book while they're doing that? A hundred percent, a thousand percent, right? I mean, we all have to chip in. I mean, I, my line, which for better, or for worse, I'd say, remember, I don't work for you. We work together, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it's not right that any, you know, that any adult um, has all the responsibilities in an system. We are all part of a community. And that's something else I'll say, you know, when we look at what we get out of schools, it's obviously not just the academics. It's not just the social. The kids are learning to be part of a community. Right, and that means we, we succeed and we fail and we compromise and we learn from one another. And so how do we mimic those kinds of uh, practices within our household? That's something that we can evaluate and, and, and try, to, um, try to do this coming year. So it's great. It sounds like there's a lot that we can do to complement what they're doing in school. Are there things that we, or I guess not in school, at home for school work, are there things that we can do to maybe help the remote learning process be a little smoother or easier. I know that in the, in the spring, it was sort of all new to us and we were trying to figure it out, but how do we, are there things that we can do to make it maybe go a little bit smoother? A hundred percent. And you know, and, and I know we don't have um, all day to talk about this. So I'll just kind of give you the, the top line items. Um, but there's certain skills that kids will definitely need to be successful with remote learning. And that's everything from what we talked about just a little bit earlier, adaptability and flexibility, uh, time management, organization, motivation, discipline, being able to communicate, showing initiative. And then another thing I'd say is advocacy because things aren't going to be going right. This is a great educational experiment. And when things aren't going right, you know, you have to be able to communicate that as a child, as a student. And that's where the parents become involved too because you know, no teacher signed up to be a remote teacher when they, when they signed up to be a physical classroom teacher. And yes. what part of the thing that they love, probably most of them will say the number one thing they love is that human interaction. And they know if a child is coming in forlorn, happy, ecstatic, I mean, 
it's so obvious with their body language, the way they're talking, who, with whom they're speaking, where they're sitting, what they're wearing, if they look disheveled. And these signals are not being communicated with the teachers when you go remote. So it's up to the kids and the parents too, to be able to communicate that information to the teachers because remote learning is so different in and of itself. And if a child isn't engaged, they may be checked out for the entire day. They may be chatting with their friends, you know, on whether it be Snapchat or Instagram or all these other, you know, social media platforms. But that's the most important communication um, that, that parents have to have with, with the schools. And so it's a combination of the schools, of the parents communicating with the schools, but also the students advocating on their own. Would you say even for like the littlest kids doing self-advocacy or? I would say definitely. And you know, what's before kids are overly socialized, I don't like, like to be negative about it, but you know, kids are really, really honest and open about their, their feelings when they're little, right? I mean, yes. nobody knows more about your household than your early childhood <laughs> education teacher, right? Yes. Mommy and daddy had a fight last night. <laughs> Mommy was not happy this morning. She has a big meeting. You know I mean? The yes. kids say everything. So keeping that up and being able to communicate that with the teachers is really important. Um, and at a certain point that may change. And if it doesn't, that's great. It all has to have, you know, right time, right place. So making sure also that your teachers make available that time for that one-on-one, -on -one, um, or if it's a small advisory type group, that communication is vital because we're not gonna have those regular, not, I mean, it's fantastic if your schools are going in person all the time, but chances are that that's going to be changing on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so that communication has to be very clear and, and parents and families have to know what those channels are, whether it's texting or email or phone calls or pre-arranged um, pre Zoom or, or Google Chats, that should be clear, or, or a, an online learning platform. And do you think there are things that we should be doing to sort of set the house up or set the apartment up to, to make this better? I sort of think about, you know, in the spring it felt all sort of like haphazard, but is it, I mean, do we just make sure that sort of a section of their room is set up with a desk and a chair and headphones or what can we do to make that easier? I love this question and I actually talk about this quite in depth in my book, World Class, because I think it's really important that you separate your actions, so be, meaning if you study, that should be in a separate area from where you sleep. Um, or where you relax with your family, if you can. And I will sacrifice, for instance, I'd rather have my kids share a room and have a separate shared office space than have everybody have their own bedrooms with a desk. Um, and so, and this is also, and we can go to the specifics in just a sec, but I think it's important because it shows where your values are as a family. And I think more than anything this year, you should really have those conversations with your kids on education. What is the meaning of learning? How do we assess what you've learned? Uh, what you know, is, is an education and learning about the actual academics and your grades and your scores, or is it about lifelong learning and intellectual curiosity? And these are conversations that you can have all the time. And in your physical space, for instance, if you live in a household where there are no physical books and there are a lot of video games and a lot of sporting equipment, you know, that says a lot. Your physical space, what your kids see all the time versus if you have a globe or a map or reference books, or if they see you reading physical books, that's you are communicating and you will see your kids imitate everything you do from your clothes to your hairstyles, whether you brush your teeth, when you wake up, they imitate you, right? So you are the most important role model. So, okay, to get back to your physical space. So, by you know, the way, essentially I'm hearing the fact that my kids create computers and iPads <laughs> go to work every day. So just maybe I need to slow down. 
but that's oh, yeah. part of their role too. Yeah, yeah, so we can talk about that too. Um, so you know, even if it means, for instance, your one of your children goes to another child's room where there may be a desk for their school day, and then they go somewhere else for their homework, right? As long as they don't stay like like literally a cave in their room all day. It's important for them to have human interaction within the family and to separate that space. So something you can also do is you can get screens. Some people are very um, creative with shower curtains even, um, but you can get a folding screen so that your spaces can be multi-purpose. So during the day, they're one thing. In the evening, there's something else. And if you have three desks in a room, you can get blank screens. I just, I personally just ordered one from Amazon and I thought my daughter had a really fun idea. She goes, mama, let's decorate this. And I thought, oh, that'd be Aww. really fun. It could be kind of every day we put something on here and we can think about that. And that could be kind of an arts project as well. But there are different ways to segment it, making sure your actions are separate. So again, where you relax, where you may watch TV, where you sleep. And we always have to have a, a trial run the first day of school is not the day to try it all out. Make sure everybody has a workspace set up, that you're doing a dry run. Because oftentimes, I had this idea, even in my own household, we have a kind of a table that can be changed into a desk in our living area. And I thought one of the kids could be there. But no, it's a terrible place, right? Because you have too much traffic going through there. And whomever sits there is going to be really kind of shafted. So of course, then I thought, okay, then I'll be the one who sits there. And I thought, well, why should I? That's setting up a really bad example as well, because again, it shows mama's gonna sacrifice everything. And meanwhile, you know, I have to work. I do have to be productive. So. And do you think since, you know, there are some children going back in person, but there's a fairly high likelihood uh, that they may then revert to remote, should families oh, sure. set uh, like how should people how should families be preparing for that or should they not prepare for it and just hope for the best i think more than anything transparency now is vital and i don't just mean even between the kids and the parents i mean between the schools and the parents and the kids and the administrators um we may not get as much clarity from the legislators because they really are trying their best right now well i would say at the school district level to just figure out their funding models um but we have to be prepared and we just have to know that yeah today was great but we don't know what's coming tomorrow because we don't know literally depending on how many you know cases you have in a school that are independent or not and who's coming in the school may shut down on its own or someone on the outside may come and say it needs to be shut down and so we just, I mean, this is a time we really, really have to have that communication and transparency. So I feel like we're, we're the scouts. Be prepared. Be prepared. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and it's a great it's a, life skill. Yes. So, so we got it. Oh my goodness. Karu Clavel, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm, I'm so appreciative. I know I was taking copious notes while you were talking. <laughs> and you know, really what I heard you say is like, first and foremost, take a deep breath. <sighs> Yeah. Take a deep breath, you know, and then some of the things that we can really be doing is, you know, talking about the current events, you know, what's going on in the world, you know, what we want our children to be knowing about, you know, do home ec issues. So make sure that we're involving children so that we're really sort of complementing what the school is doing with, you know, what we're doing at home. Make sure that, you know, we're setting up a separate schooling and work area for the children. Can also be can also be key. So this is really helpful, and I'm so appreciative because I know that the world is so full of uncertainties. And I'd love to hear one more thing from you. 
Okay, so sorry. Something else that I would be really remiss in, in not sharing is there is one thing that I think, there are two things that I think are kind of non-negotiables here, and that is those are literacy and numeracy, and I think it's really important that parents know that. And so as much as you can, get as many paper-bound books. They do not have to be brand new from Amazon. They can be used for sure. Um, go to your independent bookseller. If you can, go to your libraries. And I, I brought up independent booksellers because they really need our support right now. But go to your libraries if you can. A lot of them are doing curbside if you can't gain entry. Have a house full of books because the bottom line is they can catch up on other areas, but they're literacy and they can read about social studies. They can read about science, right? They can read about, read about so many different areas, fiction, nonfiction, have reference books available because that'll pique their curiosity and that will that will teach them more than they may actually uh, learn in, in, in a bad day. To, didn't that even end up in your going to the museum this past weekend when New York City oh, yeah. first opened the museums? Sure, actually, my, my, maybe my poor children. We went to four different museums in New York last, last week and we loved it. It was, trans, it's, it's transformational. It, you're transported in a, in a time right now where we really can't physically go to many places. And, and I went to the Metropolitan Museum and we were in six different continents in two hours. And you know, use your community resources as much as you can. And that's to add on here, our kids are gonna be necessarily on technology more than they ever have. And we have plenty of research showing that that's not actually the way we wanna go, nor do we have the research that shows us the best practices still in using technology. I will add one thing to that though, but the reality is as much as we can get them off technology, do it. Okay. You know, spend family time together, talk about things, get them to, to use pencils and paper and read books. Um, and if you can get them off, this is the, the only add on I have, iPads and iPhones are not as good as using a laptop or an actual computer with a keyboard, like a desktop. So if you can get away from getting the kids using or doing any kind of remote learning on, on the tablet. Okay, wow. Got a lot of takeaways here. And this is so helpful and so fantastic. And it's really nice with all of the uncertainty, knowing that there are things that we can do. And I think of it about it a little bit of like whether we are modeling for the unknowns in the markets or the trade-offs in lives or you know anything like that, the more prepared we are, the better, right? Because at the end of the day, planning for all the stages in life is crucial. So if anybody so with me, my family engagement team, or Taru, you can reach me at emily.grace at bernstein.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Have a great day. 